Hey, what is up? Welcome to Cheers to Beers. I'm your host, Jess Keller Poole, and this is the first episode of 2021. Welcome, you guys. We made it. <laughs> um, this episode, we are kind of doing a 2020 in review. I know it's kind of late in the game to be doing that, but uh, we're going to be doing a little review of 2020 trends we saw in the beer industry, um, beers that were most interesting, our most favorite beers that we drank. And then we're also going to do some 2021 horoscope action. We're making some predictions of what we think is going to be happening in the beer industry this upcoming year. Um, so in this episode, we're drinking, I say we, I'm with Shauna, my co-host Shauna. Y'all know her, y'all love her, she's here. In this episode, we're drinking a Junior Session IPA from Structures um, and one of our faves from the year for the, for the voices yet to be heard, a collaboration we did with Lowercase Brewing and Beer Culture. It's an American corn lager, heirloom corn lager. So we got some lager action, we got some IPA action as we're reviewing things and thinking about the future. Beer Culture is an awesome organization that focuses on bringing people into the beer industry who are historically have been pushed out of the beer industry, not welcome in the beer industry. So they're focusing a lot on uh, Black, Indigenous, people of color, um, any other sort of people who are underrepresented. They provide scholarships, and that's what this beer was brewed for. 100% of the proceeds went to beer culture uh, for their scholarship program to get some people more involved, to get um, certified Cicerone or certified beer server uh, to kind of get people's foot in the door a little bit for those that might have not felt as welcome in the past or have been struggling to get in, um, aka not a white man. So we love beer culture. We love lowercase. You know what? We love structures too. Um, so if you're listening to this episode, make sure you grab uh, a lager or an IPA or, you know, just whatever you got. We love drinking with you. So whatever you got, as always, you can follow me at just just beer on Instagram. You can follow Shauna at her new <laughs> Instagram handle, a uh, young Billy Crystal. And of course, always follow Seattle Beer School for more stuff and for some stuff coming up this year. Um, okay, so in this episode, we are talking about how Seattle dealt with the pandemic, our favorite beer brands of the year, best beers of 2020, and definitely Google Ken Grossman in the 80s. Also, slight trigger warning um, for eating disorders or disordered eating. There's a, a little bit of a conversation regarding that. So just a heads up going into this. All right. Well, grab your beers and join us. Welcome to 2021. Cheers. Cheers to new year. Cheers to new beers. To new beers. Um, we've got Junior right now from Structures, a uh, session IPA. It smells, this smells like it was just canned. This like foam thing or this like puffy thing that goes on the microwave, microwave, wow, microphone. <laughs> yeah. Smells like, um, it smells like ba uh, pool water. Like chlorine? Yeah. Interesting. Like chlorine, but like not, chlorine mixed with like, it smells like Tucson pool water. Does yours? Let me smell yours. Really? No, dude, yours doesn't smell like mine. Smell mine. Oh, weird. They smell different. Yours smells like ketchup. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so well. we, we've just popped open some Junior. This is the first time I've seen this label in color. I like it. I love it because it's the Mariner, the OG Mar uh, Mariner's colors with the royal blue and the yellow. Um, it's beautiful. I mean, I like this label. I know other people are like, it's stupid, but I what? like it. People say it's stupid? I mean, people, there's always someone who is a hater. Um, I yeah. like it. I think it's great. I, I love it because it's uh, the beer is named after Ken Griffey Jr., the famous Mariner's player. Dude, and I didn't know that. Yeah, that's why he's playing baseball. Well, I kind of just figured 
Yeah, now that you say it. <laughs> this is literally the most famous pose of Ken Griffey Jr. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> I guess now that you're saying you all that. His, if you Google yeah, his now name. Now that you're saying it all. This goes to show how much I know about sports. I'm all, oh, a skeleton playing baseball. Must be some sort of hidden message. <laughs> it's just like a very like like a metal sort of look at baseball. Yeah. So, so we got the junior. I think it, the mindset was let's drink something easy and talk about 2020 in review in terms of beer. And then also our predictions for 2021. I'm really nervous. And <laughs> it's, don't be nervous about trying to think about the future. Right? I, well, you just want to be right. <laughs> or also it's hard to like this past year, like has been insane. So it's hard to remember. It's kind of even hard to talk about trends because beer sales for craft breweries have been like so crazy and all over the place and lower that it's like, I don't think there was really an opportunity for new beers and new trends to come out because people just had to pump out the beer that they knew would sell. And the cool thing is, I guess, that, you know, people started packaging more. Yeah. So I'm sure people dialed in their packaging, which you're learning a lot. Yeah. As you're doing that. Yeah. Um... And it was on the unfortunate side of that in terms of packaging, it feels like the breweries that had to close this year were breweries that weren't able to do any sort of packaging and then the next level into distribution. Yeah, it's like almost like it happens even without the pandemic where if you're really small, then you're cool because people, you'll if you're a neighborhood spot, you're a brew pub, whatever. Right. And then there's a, that weird in between, mm-hmm. which doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then, or you have to just be big and then bigger, bigger. Yep. It's like a business thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's how businesses work, but. Goddamn capitalism. I mean, I haven't heard about too many brewery closures in Seattle, except for Populux. Oh, yeah. No. Which is, I mean, it's a bummer. It was a family-owned business. It was a part of the Ballard beer community. It was definitely a place you needed to be. Like, be there. It's like... Yes. I mean, I I wouldn't have bought product to bring back. But their their, uh, space was really cool. Yeah, and it was just... It was very family-friendly, which a lot of the breweries in Ballard are. Um, So glad, like, Lucky Envelope made it through. Right. Stoop really did a really good job Mm -hmm. at like immediately mean like we'll deliver to you they were on top of it. they were like scrappy as hell about it and i really appreciate that because this is something you and i have said is we kind of feel like uh stoops the unsung unsung hero of ballard because yeah they make some of the best beer they're just hiding their cape (laughs) yeah and their space is really great too and yeah i I was really good people yeah make a beer that's like they're making beers like the the standards. It's not even the right word. You know, like just their foundation is strong. Like for sure, they, their porter is good. Porter's excellent. They make a good, for lack of a better word, West Coast IPA. Yeah. their Hef is one of the best. Outstanding. The very it's world yeah. class. Yeah, they just yeah they have like their really solid stuff, and it's I know I can go there anytime and get a beer that I'm gonna enjoy. It was hard seeing like the community kind of suffer a little bit and I think what was even more frustrating from my end being in a tap room uh a brewery tap room was seeing how much support there was initially when uh stay-at-home orders started like there was such a rush from the community to be like buying beer and we're buying beer in bulk and we're tipping you fat which was incredible and really uplifting to see um especially like specifically the neighborhood of Fremont, they like really came out for their local businesses. And then 
things started opening up too soon, obviously, because then we had to shut back down again. And then the second time around, it was that was where local businesses felt it because like we kind of made it through the dark, you know, with having like incredible community support and just like that grassroots sort of feel. But then the second time around is when businesses had to shut down. Yeah. It just like everyone was just so tired. Exactly. But I wonder like where were people getting their beer then? Yeah. And or maybe think, people were like not drinking as much, which I, is probably good. Yeah. Or like if they were, they were still drinking, but it wasn't like there wasn't this insane feel to be like, we have to buy everything from these local businesses. I think when it happened immediately, people were like, oh yeah, let's get the beer. Cause it, pa- beer is packaged. Right. I mean, obviously a lot of beers are your house. Yeah. You just go grab it, whatever. But like then I think then uh, cocktail places started mm-hmm. dialing in their to go cocktail stuff. Really cool. And then people were like, fuck beer. I want the fucking hard <laughs> stuff. Get me that Manhattan package. Yeah. Right. And like, then and that's fun too like i know a lot of places did really cool cocktail kits which is super fun yeah um and so maybe like people just kind of like were trying a bunch of different things yeah and i i understand too like just i know the fire's Mm. dying my husband built a fire and um we were gonna record all cozy in front of the fire and josh the fire but yeah, so there was there's definitely a level of burnout. And then like going out in public didn't seem as scary anymore because we kind of had like a, a grip on what was going on. Yes. The fire's out. This is like a metaphor for what's happening. Like yeah. with the, at first the fire was strong. So I, I guess if we're talking about trends in beer, it wasn't necessarily style based, but. I think it was hard for people to get like. Well, people could get, you know, innovative because of packaging in general. And that's what I was just about to say is like it it wasn't so much of the beer itself, but how beer was getting to people seemed like the trend of 2020. Oh, yeah. And it was, you know, like if I look back, it's hard because I was just I don't even remember if I was saying this on the air or not on the air. We're kind of on the air. Like we're it's it's metaphorical at this point. (laughs) Metaphorical air. I'm trying to remember, like, the last time I went to a place to either have dinner or, you know, that I was Mm -hmm. eating in the place or drinking a beer. And it's hard for me to remember where it was. Well, I feel like the only time since March, I hadn't been anywhere with you until we went to lowercase the one time. To get uh, the beer, the, the voices to be heard. Yes. Which was in... November? November. And the, that was the first place I went. And we were both really, I felt really nervous going in. It was weird. One pint. Well, I stayed for another, but. Um, they did a great, they did obviously a great job. Yeah. They were very, it was very safe. Yeah. One there. pint outside. That was really the extent of it. Um, Yeah. I mean, I had been a couple places. I'd gone to Stoop actually during the summer when I was riding my bike a lot and would bike over there because they're outdoor patios really big and the whole area is spacious um uh, but it's like besides that I don't no anchor when I was still there like I would Aslan when I'm working and that's it and it was just that was the last and it, it's it's so strange like well and even when things were open I still wasn't going anywhere because oh. I, I was 
I'm already customer facing. So I'm like, I'm not going to just risk more exposure by going somewhere just because things are open. Yeah. It felt weird to go. Just it didn't make sense yeah, no. for me. Um, but then it was kind of cool because then like, then you want to stock up on beers. Right. So I remember the first place that I was like, oh, cool. I, I bought a bunch of beer from Stoop. Yes. Which was cool. And then Bottleworks has been great. Bottleworks has been the main spot. It's just. Yeah. I mean, they've been doing really good too. Like their their whole online system has been really successful in terms of people like going to get their beer there. And, you know, I haven't been back to, you know, because like the summer has been back and forth and crazy. And I haven't been to Chuck's, but they're doing cool. Like they're doing reservations. Mm, I didn't know that. For sitting outside and stuff. So that seems like the safest way to do it too. Yeah, I know. And it's like with Seattle, it's like we kind of have a, a smaller window of how much of that is realistic. I mean, people here, we don't care that it's cold and rainy, but it's not just, it's just not the most enjoyable thing. You're all outside all right. shivering exactly. in the cold. It's like, we can bundle up, but it's not like, what I love about the Pacific Northwest and just like having more gray winters is that we all tend to kind of hunker down and really, you know, we spend time more in the home or like in beer halls. Oh, it's and just like, like, there's so many, great small little beer mm -hmm. places here yeah. like i i think about like just because it's so close to me is the dre like mm -hmm. it's small yes. and they're they're draft that's like great. totally this the aesthetic of seattle is like lots of wood kind of dark but cozy good beer yeah it was like and i probably was one of the first places i went when i moved here too so like just kind of felt nice yeah um but yeah like beer trends though i mean besides packaging i mean a lot more lagers coming out american lagers yeah people's you know, I, ever, there, I feel like when you think about like a, let's say like a classic brew pub has like five mainstays, mm -hmm. right? They have an IPA, they should have a, or what they should have, right? Yes. If you yes. walk into like your ideal brew pub, I would say my ideal, IPA, pale ale, a porter, stout, hopefully both, because I'm more of a stout gal, mm -hmm. uh, a pilsner, mm -hmm. and like maybe like a, you could go kind of Belgian or Saison. I was going to say, know. that's what I was going to say, a Saison, or if you're just going to keep kind of British or an American style, then maybe an Amber or Brown or Blonde. Or blonde. Yeah. And you're like, I'd be completely happy yes, with those like, items. Yep. That's kind of and for then seasonal, an American brew pub. Like right. That. And then seasonally, there's something else that comes totally. up. Um, so maybe people, hopefully, I mean, there was also a bunch of like really cool hazies and stuff that came out. I just said really cool hazies. <laughs> I'm totally up on the hype, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think that this far into that style being in existence, uh, a lot of breweries have kind of nailed down, uh, honed in on what makes a good hazy or northeast style IPA. So, yeah, I think there was. I just felt like for me, I like wanted to go back to the, I, I think it was a, it's a scary time for a lot of people, like especially if you've lost someone. Mm-hmm of covid or just like going through it's depressing and it's been a rough year i felt for me like i wanted i'd like drink so much ipa this yeah. year because i just love that style and it feels very like like nurturing to me totally so i bet yes. i think a lot of people probably went back to their styles that were that felt safe and comforting i think that's a really good observation yeah it's like in a time that is so unpredictable and unstable and like a huge shift in our society it's like can i just have my beer be something i can count on and that's why celebration sierra nevada celebration was such a literally such like a an emotional part of my the end of this year yes it was um 
definitely celebration 2020 was top five beers of the year it's crazy because like okay you talk about sierra nevada's packaging is the the best beautiful i mean besides like budweiser yeah i mean besides they're different obviously but like it's so perfect and it's still bottle conditioned (laughs) so impressive and like it's oh it's just so good and it's you know it's always cool to have something that's unpredictable of course like that's what's fun with a lot of beers is like you're not gonna know exactly what it's gonna be like but that's more of like bottle condition saisons or wild mixed fermentation Mm -hmm. stuff whatever Mm -hmm. uh but it's just nice to be able to like know that if you pick up a celebration it's gonna be great this is something i was talking about right before we got on the mics um is i tend to do this thing where it's so funny. I, this industry, craft beer industry moves real quick because what is old school isn't that old in terms of the timeline of humanity. It's like from beer. the 90s. <laughs> right, like exactly. But things happen real quick in this industry. So there's, I don't know, there was a point in maybe four or five years ago where hazies or like lighter IPAs, more fruit forward, less bitter were coming out and people would be like, Oh, I, I want they they wanted the IPAs from the '90s, and then more more malt character, more body, um, more like true bitterness, um, like actual like isomerized alpha acid bitterness, um, and then we went a little bit the other way where it got softer, lighter, more fruit character, less intense bitterness, like IBU bitterness, I guess, um, and now there was a point where I'm like fuck man I really just want like a more classic like bitter clean clear citrus resin pine IPA and that's exactly what maybe a little caramel malt in there you know I would adore that um in celebration just hit that on the head exactly what I wanted because I also mentioned how I recently had some bad IPAs from an area not in Seattle and thinking like, oh, this is maybe what actually those old school IPAs tasted like, which (laughs) isn't that good. But Sierra Nevada really like took that base and just consistently kept it really good without it being like the little bit sweet and like, like it's like a Tootsie Roll pop, like a bad. Yes. Also, I just looked up uh, Sierra Nevada celebration has been, around since 1981 so i don't know if that was like ken grossman's like first maybe i forget there was another guy who started Sierra nevada but i forget about <laughs> we only care about mr grossman <laughs> he looked great in the 80s by the way yes totally my type totally your type <laughs> and i'm okay with that he, um, he knows uh but 1981 but like it's yeah the the tootsie roll pop thing is just like a bad beer exactly. it's like a classic like a classic dish like you like in uh sierra nevada celebration to like uh let's say like a roasted duck okay right okay even though i know you're vegan but like it's a classic like with cherry sauce yes you've had uh, p- the people have made bad duck but when it's good you're like oh damn i understand why this is a classic yes it's like so good it's so bitter and it's like but it bitter in a way that's not like you know they talk about like scraping the your tongue it's balanced right. by this incredible 
malt presence too. It's a really good IPA that works to drink by itself or with food and to have that sort of versatility is really hard to do, especially for a truly bitter IPA. Yeah. I think that these like bad IPAs I'm referring to, honestly, they just remind me of like homebrews. It's kind of, it's like the first IPA homebrew recipe that you try. And <laughs> I'm just, sure it's like, you're like, Ugly. yeah. And just like, maybe there's not uh, any flaws or off flavors technically, but it's just not a good recipe. It's just not good. And Sierra Nevada has always triumphed over that. So I know we were just talking about like, I've every there's, I like love IPAs, but I try or pale ales, anything that ha- that's just like hop forward. And there's so many that are just not good. And it might just be me that I'm just very specific and picky. Well, it's not even like, it's just one of those things where we talk about this a lot with Seattle Beer School is like the way to uh, make your palate better is to drink more. So we just have more experience drinking things. We've had a lot of good things and we've had a lot of bad things. So when you have like all that data backed up in your brain, your sensory memory, it's kind of like, it's just easier to pick out. So I don't think it's like being snobby or picky. It's just like, we have so much practice with what's good and what isn't. Yeah. It's anything that goes with like potato chips or something like that. Yeah. Potato chips, good potato chips. Mm-hmm. Although I haven't met a potato chip I don't like. I, mean, I like yeah. potato chips. I I love potato chips. Although I will say that if we're talking about, uh, you like baked lays. <laughs> the baked lays is so funny. You like that's like the that's like the uh, freaking like brute IPA. Of Dude, it's like potato chips. That, one, I don't even know how lays is still making that because it seems like such an early two thousands diet sort of thing. Oh, like totally Subway sort of diet thing. And I think that's must be why I love it so much you is because it. yes, in my household growing up was very much like very healthy and but also swayed by diet trends so it's like oh yeah that's like totally like like josh's back like my mom would not adhere to any of that she was like <laughs> i love that i love it i mean it. she sort of does now because she talks about carbs she's but like that's, that's a lot terrible. of carbs and you're like well that yeah okay that's just sugar okay cool yeah but yeah no my mom was like no you get no no none of that she wouldn't believe she doesn't believe in any of it <laughs> i i love that because it has honestly taken me a lot of like reprogramming to change my relationship with food Mm. and like dieting and exercising where I've like finally begun this part of my life where I'm like, it's literally okay that I had bagels four times this week. Like it doesn't matter. It didn't happen the way that I was raised. It happened when I got to college Mm. that I started thinking about like the way I ate in a not good way Mm -hmm. where I'd be like, yep. Oh, and it was all it was was societal. Uh, yeah, because it didn't come from my parents. It yeah. came from like society being like, "Oh, you're a late girl, girl." I'm not saying I'm a woman. I'm not yeah, a woman. Yeah. I'm a girl. Yeah, and I need to be small. I'm in the theater. I need to be under a hundred pounds. <sighs> Shut up, dude. And I oh. need to fit into this and that. And I, if I eat a like a bag of like a small bag of rolled golds mm-hmm. and a banana, that's like enough for like most of the day. Yeah, man, that, that's insane. It's super toxic. I mean, like I, my formative adult years, like going to college, I, I went to school in a beachside Southern California and it was like everyone who went to the school was so hot and everyone was so fit <laughs> because we lived on the nightmare. beach. So we're just always in bathing suits. It truly was a nightmare. And it's, <sighs> it's honestly kind of sad because I think about this really complicated relationship I had with food and then 
thinking I had to be some certain fucking way and then looking back at pictures of myself back then and I'm like, dude, you that's I mean, the skinniest I've ever been in like not a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And still I was like, This is terrible. Yeah, it's it's bad. I think there's something to being in the beer industry now and just like loving something that is just sugar and like <laughs> well, it's also alcohol and carbs and alcohol right <laughs> and it's like so many people don't drink beer because they're like oh, too many calories like you'll get a beer belly blah 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 and i think it probably has helped me heal a little bit from like bad relationships with food i never thought about that way but i think that's true for me as well yeah because i really am like i mean i don't let myself you know get out of control with it but it's like I still am like drinking at least one beer every day. <laughs> oh, know? for sure. And I, I think to myself, like if we're talking about like just this past year for other people too, like how many people not socializing in the nor- mm-hmm. the way that we used to. Yeah. And like how much time people probably spend on social media mm-hmm. and like what that means a for like beer, like beer people probably had to beer, like breweries probably had to shift their social media in a certain yep. way. Yep. Uh, and like how that's affected people who are consuming social media and how that has affected the way that they, their relationship with beer. Yeah, for sure. So I think it's shifted in two different ways where it's like people being like, I mean, I haven't seen too many of like the, the diet beers come out during 2000, 2020. You know, what's interesting. I think 2020, does that 2020? 2000. Oh, I guess that yeah, is right. Why? Every 2020. That's interesting. Why does no one say it that way? I don't know. It didn't sound right when I said it. Maybe that's why I was <laughs> um, all nervous saying it wrong. That definitely was a trend just from like marketing data that I've seen. Um, like beer under a certain amount of calories was th- a big interest for consumers and something that some breweries were trying to uh, incorporate into like brew schedules and recipe development and all that. And first of all, I just hate that concept so much and it's like I I get it as a it can be a tool and at the end of the day you got to pay your bills and you got to pay rent on your brewery and you know all that so you got to brew what people are going to buy but it just is like I'm not saying that you can't drink beer and be fit or skinny but it doesn't need to be the focus of it it's just like I don't think anyone was inspired to brew like like light beers I mean, if you're like, cool, I want something light, like a pale ale. Mm-hmm. Like, we just drink an IP before we drink Junior. And I took a first sip, and I was like, ooh, it's so much lighter. Right. I mean, so it is, like, in essence, a light beer in comparison to something else. Right. But it wasn't, no one was like, oh, my God, I'm, like, moved to to make a beer that is, no. l- like, a light beer. It's That's a, hun- a diet beer. No. It's 100% consumer-driven. Um, yeah, it's like a, pop, a populist beer. Like, Populous? Like for the, for like it's like oh, a. Oh, yes. I think you were referring to a brewery. You're not doing it because it's like happening organically and you love it and it's the right thing to do. You're doing it because like, you know, it's going to sell mm-hmm. because of marketing. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. And it's like, I. It's like you can have your cake and eat it too. It's like. <laughs> yeah. I think you and I have expressed a kind of complicated relationship with the idea of like authenticity, but then also selling yourself. Because it's like, I think authenticity is so important to us and staying true to ourselves and like not doing anything for anyone else. I don't know how it's not important to other people. Me too, honestly, because money is really important to other people too. Um, Oh my God. But, and there's such like a fine line between like good marketing 
and then like being fake and all that is like such a hard thing to balance. And then when you go through a economic recession, it's like at that point, it's like you just got to do what the fuck you got to do to survive. Exactly. And you think about not just yourself, you're probably thinking about your employees and mm-hmm. other people and your kids and stuff like yeah. that. I get it. Yeah. Um, but like if you were always true, then that shouldn't change when it's like a, you know, if your foundation is strong, like a house and right, there's a, you know, something happens. Like if you thought if you always did it right, then like you'll be fine. Yeah, and if sure. you're not fine, then you've built relationship with people that come help you. Yes. Otherwise 100%. then people are just gonna be like, you've been a fucking, you're a fraud or like you're fake or like all you care about is money. And that doesn't mean yeah. that like you can't be successful. No. It just means like there's more important things <laughs> money. Yeah. And I think like your freaking morals. Yeah. And it gets really complicated when your industry is something, at least in my opinion, beer is about community and sharing and creativity and expression. Um, so if you take that away, it's like, what are we even doing here, guys? Yeah, I don't know. Like the reason you're having an identity crisis is because you're trying so hard to please other people when it's like no one's going to indulge in your brand if it's so fucking obvious that that's what you're doing. So then that's another thing that happened in 2020 is I think some truths were exposed. Oh, it was incredibly illuminating. So there was a lot of breweries that, you know, this has been happening a lot and it should be happening more and should keep happening are, you know, people being exposed for either being shitty racist people Mm -hmm. or not supporting um, minorities or, Mm -hmm. you know, just not being supportive of the, of a community. Yeah of all people and like that that's happened a lot of people being exposed for that which is great yeah so it's like not just about the beer it's about you know what the, the brewery itself supports yes because you're you're more than just the beer at that point especially if you have a tap room and you have like a community yeah like, it's so much more than i that. feel like if you're a business especially if you're a bigger business it you have a it's a your responsibility to either give back or to do what you can to help those that need help yes Yes. I don't know. That's just like what I, I, that's what I think. It's just like, I don't know. Like you're, you're making money and you're part of this. It's just like you're doing business in a void. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, right. You're just like, for what and for who? Yeah. You're just like, then you're just making money. You don't Mm -hmm. care. Yep. Okay. Hey Josh, do you want to pick out a beer for us to split? It can be whatever. And can you have to give us a new glass because these glasses are dirty. I guess yeah. I, I just don't know how to answer the question of beer trends for the last year. Yeah, no, I, I like this concept that you're coming on in terms of illuminating like shitty people. Social injustices. <laughs> yes. And so that was another thing, obviously, that went along with, um, you know, pandemic crap was a lot of social justice movement. And so it's like within that people aren't, this is, I really truly feel like, and I hope that we are moving away from like the new Jim Crow that has existed basically since civil rights movement in the sixties where we just pretended like everyone was equal when that's never been the case. Um, <laughs> They're like, no, if we say it, it's true. It's right. like um, the Jedi thing where you're like, no, racism isn't a thing. No, we're all equal. Everything is fine. I don't see color. Yeah. Oh, like, boy. That is completely erasing people's experience. So I truly feel like that we are moving away from that bad narrative that was honestly just suppressing um 
and going somewhere new and like with that came like guess what you don't get to be racist in your place of work anymore dude you don't get to be misogynistic in your place of work anymore like no one is dealing with it and we will expose you because of social media yeah and it's even more so than and if you're not supporting the cause to uh to expose people and to uh prop people up and give people a hand up that need help mm-hmm. and or just like i don't like these are fellow human beings yes. and you know that things have been unfair and unjust and straight up immoral and disgusting and just horrific and you're just gonna be like uh yeah we're not a political business we don't get involved with politics people who don't get involved in politics are privileged yes white people yes you don't hear that from people who have struggled based on their race. Oh, my oh, goodness. Oh, okay, wow. Nice pour, babe. Oh, check as fuck. Maybe not. Maybe it's- I did also get the Terrifica from Wayfinder. Wow. Yeah. It smells like a Wayfinder, though. Maybe it's not. Oh, it's pretty bitter. It's pretty bitter at the end. It's a lager. <laughs> I know what it is. Mm. It. I taste... Corn. Is there corn in this? What is it? Is this like Rainier? No. <laughs> For the voices yet to be heard. Conversation. It's funny the first sniff, though, I said it was Wayfinder. It looks like uh, the check is fuck. It's a little more pale, I think. It is definitely more pale. See, Fair. appearances fuck you up. They do. They really do. And I was like, wait a second. It's, I also think it's, it's funny. Not terif- I knew it wasn't terrific because it doesn't, it's not. It wasn't fragrant and it wasn't better enough. But there's actually going into this beer blind, which I haven't blind tasted this beer before. There is a good little end bitterness now. Dude, he nailed it. It's so complex. The complexity on it is really Also good. funny that once I picked up, it was a corn lager that I thought it was Rainier. <laughs> we just have like, uh, I, yeah, I forgot to tell you, Jess, that I uh, loaded up on my Rainier. <laughs> it's so good. And I haven't had it in a couple weeks. Yeah. It's really good. It really is. I, I remember sometimes it tastes more corny to me than other times. Interesting. But my last name is Cornier. <laughs> Cornier. <laughs> Cornier. Um, it's Cormier. We're going to do a full episode on this beer, but I think if we're talking about 2020 in review, and since we're just talking about social justice. Dude, yes. Josh, you nailed it. Yeah, he, he really was active listening. Um, <laughs> you don't think he's listening, but he is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really disturbing. <laughs> Um, this was a beer, um, that meant a lot to us. We've, you know, 2020 was kind of the year that we became really good friends with lowercase brewing. They're incredible. And what's so funny is our introduction to them was through a, a friend, shout out to Brent. Um, and. Oh yeah. Shout out. Yeah. Um, him, his partner, I actually interviewed in an art of beer episode with Casey Callahan. Um, so check that out. But doesn't Casey Callahan sound like a news anchor? Totally. So I'm Casey Callahan and this is the news update. It's like a good rhythm. Casey Callahan, like Casey Callahan. (laughs) It's like a a kid song could be about it. Oh, for sure. Casey Callahan bought horses. Casey Callahan bought horses. Casey Callahan bought some horses and taught them how to ride. Um, so yeah, we, our introduction to them was like over email. We wanted to teach a class there. And we did. Was that, was that 2020 or was that 2019 that we taught a class there? I honestly cannot remember. I think it was a a little over a year ago. I think it was 2019. 
Was it? It might have been 2020. It might have been beginning of 2020. Oh my god! I just remember I was. It so was because tired. we were going to do a. Uh, we were going to do a class in February. I remember because I wanted to make a Valentine's theme. Oh, we were going to do Logos for Lovers. Yes. Um. So we must have done it in March. Must have been. No, it might have been one of the last things that we did. Yeah. I'm trying to look up on on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, we you, did it. We have a picture on the Seattle Beer School Instagram. It's funny that that's how I remember my life. <laughs> is through looking at Instagram. That's depressing. Uh, Let's see here. That's it. Must have been in. I think you're right. Uh, yeah, it was February 29th. Ding. Okay. Yeah. So. Wow, that was fun as hell. Yeah. So Got a good crew out there t- coming out to. Yeah, well, I mean, class. we literally we didn't even know. We didn't know Chris and John. We didn't know them at all. And then we met up with them. They gave us an incredible rundown of all their beers. We connected with John right John's away. John's an incredible educator himself. He is. He, he went into so much detail and we loved it. And he taught himself. Yes. Um, yeah, he did that program with uh, UW. We met them, taught a class there, ended up being great. And we just formed a really fun relationship with John and Chris and ended up doing our very first collaboration with them. Um, that was our hazy lager, New England style lager. And then... This was the second one we did, which was totally John's idea. He just wanted to loop us in, which was very nice. Just, yeah, just um, the most generous person. And his mindset going into it was like, I want to brew a beer that is, the money is going to be donated to something. So, like, what do we want to donate and what kind of beer do we want to brew? Well, and he wanted to do a corn lager because he had Ted Mack's inspiration from Ted Mack. Right. With the People's Brewery. Yeah. And he wanted to get locate some heirloom corn. And we, I was like... I don't even know where to start. I was like, I love yeah. popcorn. <laughs> it, you think it'd be easier than it ended up being because corn is such a uh, a staple crop. But it's such United a commodity States. that he wanted You're to right. find like a You're special right. corn. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it was like, okay, if, we were, if we're going to take this recipe from one of the very first black brewery owners, it definitely needs to be associated with helping out either you know, people of color or those who are underrepresented in the beer industry. And then you had the great idea of connecting with beer culture. Well, I've just been following them for a long time. And I just think oh, there's so many cool, amazing organizations and groups of people that are doing stuff. Um, Garrett Oliver started mm-hmm. the Michael Jackson Foundation, um, which is great. Yeah. And it's also national. So it, so is beer culture. Um, they're a little more, they're smaller. They're smaller, yeah. Yeah. So it's nice to be able to, and I think our connection, the connection with the the Cicerone program was cool. Yeah. Like, it's just like, there's no other beer education certification that exists. Totally. And I don't hate Cicerone, so it was like, it's cool that if it was four different people that were given, um, like, a scholarship to get yeah. their certified Cicerone. Or either certified Cicerone or certified beer server. Right. I think it was dependent on the applicant, like what where Depend- they were at. Yeah, where they were. But Which yeah, is it's, really cool. And it is really cool. It, that helps you. It definitely helps with getting a job. Yeah, and it's just one of those things where when you're a part of a group that has been so for so long excluded in an industry, and I'm sure a lot of it was... And still being excluded. Yes. I'm sure a lot of that is intentional. And honestly, some of it's unintentional, which is, I think, kind of the problem we need to focus on is, like, this unaware... You and I have both experienced, like, 
misogyny in the workplace that was like done by someone who didn't know they were being misogynistic yeah, or just like the, it's just like not an excuse anymore right. to be like i didn't know right it's like you don't know the speed limit's 60 and you're going 80 like that's not an excuse you're just choosing to ignore the information that's available which is privilege yes and also like it's you know and even like uh people are now a lot more awareness which is the first step and then calling it out when you mm -hmm. see it mm -hmm. and then it and then also saying like, oh, I've been racist right now. Yeah. Which is probably the hardest part for a lot of people. It is. I mean, I, do you ever want to be like, I'm being racist? Well, the thing is, is the moment you give in to the term racism, the moment you're like, oh, wait, this isn't a, a insane thing to say about a, a situation because people just get so shocked and hurt by like you're being racist the moment you can accept that this is no this is a daily occurrence that literally all white people make mm -hmm. and just knowing that like as a white person you will consistently be racist until you learn how to unlearn it yes that then it doesn't become as scary then you can be like okay wait that was kind of racist yes or like oh what was my like um like inherent or bias that i already have um, do you want to say affected this decision uh yeah and so what's so cool about this is like education mm -hmm. being a tool to help i mean i always think of like you know like uh josh has i'm um, josh finn has a book um like the anti-racist baby mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> Um, and it, there's a picture that Finn always points at and it's of a, a white woman holding like a trophy at the top of a ladder and in the middle of the ladder it's broken and there's a black woman at that part of the ladder and he's always like what mm -hmm. I was like oh well the the white woman won you know is up there but now she needs to help fix the ladder so that other people can use the ladder mm. so like That's I think education is one of those things it's like you more that you know it helps you right and that's not the first thing because like you could have a tons of education and then still be discriminated against oh yeah it happens all the time yeah right yeah it's just like opening up that level of awareness okay so, anyway so beer trends right you know, i mean <laughs> i think that was that's a pretty solid review of 2020 i mean there's just it's hard because it's like it is i mean breweries did so many cool things and i feel bad that we haven't talked about it i mean okay we could say our favorite beers of 2020 are Right. Besides okay. celebration. Celebration is on the top. I do, I want to say this beer we're drinking right now, just because not only is it like a really solid example of an American lager, but it's great. It's the best cause and the coolest thing we've done yet, in my opinion. Yeah. And you, you know, we saw a lot of things like black is beautiful, mm -hmm. all those different incarnations, yeah. um, homebrew wise and also commercially that people did. And that, that was incredible too. Like weathered souls, like starting that, um, it is Weathered Souls, right? I said that and I felt said sound wrong. Um, and you know, I'm trying to think back, and I like I drank a lot of beer this year, um, and I'm like going out of blank right now. Yeah, I, because like everything is a blur. Um, it's such a freaking blur. I actually a good reference for me would have been this app i use one second a day because oh i love i watch your one second a day it's like so it's so good dude it's it's hilarious because it's like 50 percent beer 40 percent cats and like 10 percent dude i come up there a lot 
(laughs) It shows you who like literally because it's like my COVID circle is like you and your family and then my boss. I'm like, that's it. So. Uh, uh, I mean, I love check as fuck so much. Check as fuck. Yeah, definitely. And I think just because becoming friends with lowercase drank a lot of lowercase lagers. Oh, They're yeah. Italian. Oh, the Italian Pilsner is, is so excellent. Oh, we drank a lot of mild during March. Oh, mildness. yeah. March mildness. Oh, a lot wow. of mild there. and I definitely bought mild in the bag. You know what? Yes. Actually, you know, the the uh, the the bags of beer that Machine House did were a very big part of early pandemic yes and they were that was genius for them to do that oh it was great and i was convinced it was bag conditioned because i really wanted it to be be incredible and then i inquired more about it and it was like the bags weren't like i don't know they weren't suited for that yeah i just really think that they didn't try hard enough (laughs) so what do we think what do we think is going to happen this year we're already in 2021. More, I think more loggers. Yes, I think that was a good observation on your point because I think that there definitely has been like a quote unquote logger renaissance in the past year or so, but I really hope it will be able to sustain in terms of packaged beer still being really important in terms of driving sales and revenue for breweries. So mm-hmm. hopefully I, what I really don't want to see is people recognizing that there's some good loggers out there, but deciding not to brew them because they're historically their IPA sales are higher. Also, they're really hard to, any beer, making a really good beer is really hard to do. But like lagers specifically, um, I just think a lot of people are gonna be like, there's gonna be a lot of American lagers. Which which they're already happening. It's already happening, which is cool. I mean, it's cool. Like, I think it's a good direction. This is, It's been the case for, like, the last couple of years that people have been making more loggers. Yes. I, I just said quotes, air quotes. Like, either or not <laughs> What were you quoting, loggers or? Well, I, yeah. I think I said that because I'm, like, I'm kind of being, ass, like, an asshole. Because it's, like, mm, no, still, that's fair. a lot of bad ones. Well, and also a lot of breweries brew loggers that aren't actually loggered. I mean, yeah. I mean, to make... Um, like a really good logger, it needs to be loggered for a, a while. Yes, I mean name. It's like name your top three loggers right now. And logger is such a big umbrella yes, term for sure. I mean, check as fuck for a check. I um, I almost said check IPA. Check Pilsner. <laughs> check IPA. Oh, I'm into that. <laughs> Me too. Honestly, um, I really love Aslan's Coastal Pils, uh, German style Pilsner. I haven't had that in a minute. It's good. It's really solid. Um. Anything from lowercase, their Italian pills is one of my favorites. Um, yeah. What I haven't had, which I stupidly didn't purchase, is uh, uh, Cloudburst's Vienna Lager. I didn't even know they had a Vienna Lager. What? Yeah, I know. I know. I screwed up. I love Vienna Lagers. I love Vienna. I love fall time lagers. Anything with a little bit color darkness to it. Just a little amber. A lot of other breweries do, like Breakside, that have the... The Bombers. Yeah, bombers just aren't a thing anymore. They're the not. reason they kept going is they have the shelf space for it. Because a lot of grocery stores aren't m- mixing uh-huh. up their shelving. Yep. So it fits like a wine bottle. Mm-hmm. So it's like weird. But it's like, I, I don't ever buy them unless I know I'm going to. Unless it's like, if they made celebration in a bomber. Yes. Why don't they do that? They should. We should write to them. <gasps> they should do bombers and magnums. <laughs> Fucking. Oh my God. A magnum of celebration. You know they've. Every Christmas. 
how do they we need to do we you need to have a meeting with ken <laughs> let me let me call grant ken listen ken yes it's shauna you were you're my type you would have been my type but i'm married now anyways why don't you do magnums of <laughs> they must maybe they do secretly for their employees I'd well that's rude yeah you need to share that with the public we're okay. just assuming who do we email lying about this <laughs> we have to do something about this we do Let's get on to the bottom of this. Mm-hmm. We'll supply them with the Magnum bottle. Okay. Or Drara Bomb. Drara Bomb. Methuselah. Uh-huh. I don't think the Methuselah is right. We call it. They're like, <laughs> Nazazabomb. Yeah, something like I that. I always forget what they're yeah. called. Uh, I'm horrible at pronunciation. Uh, yeah, we need... What? That needs to happen. Why is that a thing? I'm upset. Yeah, me too. Oh, boy. You know how need- useful that would have been this year? Oh, maybe that's why they don't do it. <laughs> They would. I would. How much would you pay for a magnum of Sierra Nevada Celebration? I mean, how much do magnums usually go? I'd pay fifty bucks. I would pay a hundred. <laughs> That's a lot. I think yeah, fifty is like how much it should be. That's how much it should be. But if it was a special run, we only have a certain amount of bottles. Yeah, I would pay. I'd pay a hundred dollars to share just to just for just to be roll up to a party. With a magnum of Sierra Nevada Celebration? Literally just for the novelty of it. Like, yes. Do you know how stoked I would be? Okay, let's set the scene. There's <laughs> a hypothetical Christmas party that for some reason we're not at together. But I'm there and you're coming in and you but you kick the door open holding I would a kick mag. It. I'd lose my mind. I'd faint. People would faint. I'd go, I'd show <laughs> everyone would just be faint. Everyone's go, huh. I mean, it's incredible. All right, so 2021 predictions. Okay. Um, celebration so, magnum. Magnums. Uh, I, I th- actually think, mag- well, I don't think magnums are selling very well. Glassware <laughs> in general is probably going. Yeah. But okay, we foresee hopefully some more lager production, hopefully some more demand for lager so that breweries can keep up with it. I would say more. Uh, uh, okay, there would be two different things I think that happens, right? There's going to be this weird sort of uh circle about mm-hmm. that will go from like there's the hazies you know like very opaque opaque hazies back around to like what the alchemist sure originally yes. made, which is yes. essentially like the cold ipa that we had from Good point wayfinder which is just a pretty juicy like very uh moderately bittered ipa so people will find this balance between and that's no shame to making these super hazy um, you know, that's not saying that there's anything bad with those. No. I just think there's going to be this thing where people are like, oh, I don't need to make just a hazy beer. Right. It's like you're actually making something that's palatable. Yes. And then I also think that we're going to find more of like the celebration sort of bitterness happening. I freaking hope so, man. Like I had a green flash recently and it was freaking good. Yeah. So then when we talk about like uh, San Diego mm-hmm. IPAs and then like, oh boy. My cat is sitting so close to the fire right now. It's it's fascinating because cats have a higher internal temperature, which is why they like being so cozy. But like he's very close, close. to the fire. <laughs> like I is he he might be numb. <laughs> he just doesn't feel anything. He's completely <laughs> numb. He's old. Oh, buddy. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I think there's going to be more of this embrace of bitterness. I, I sure hope so. It's the uptick of caramel malt is just gonna go through the roof. Like people, be they're not gonna be able to keep up. I, that would be so funny. <laughs> Sketch it Valley Malting has to like 
<laughs> one of those huge things is just dedicated to caramel malt. Oh man, that'd be great. Crystal malt, whatever. Um, <laughs> like we should invest in <laughs> caramel malt now. <laughs> like we need to pour our money into freaking like that. Yes, yes. That's where the funds are going. <laughs> it's um. But anything else for twenty? It's honestly, I feel like because twenty twenty was so much of a year that we could, there was no predictions available. It's hard to get into a state where you can try to make predictions. Um, I don't I, know. I think also some places might go under. More places might go under. I think so. Unfortunately, you, we're usually very positive about. <laughs> I don't like to. Yeah. But I just think that there's there's going to be now this, especially when people are, uh, again, able to go out. I don't know. Maybe not. But, like, I don't know. We're in a recession. And yeah, usually that doesn't bode well for breweries. Yeah. And it, it just sucks where it's, like, some people have been able to hang on this long, but they can't go any further than where they are now. Because, yeah, once things are back to normal, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like – then people were like, oh, I don't want to go back to that place because I was able to get this shipped to me or I was able to, like, I don't know. Right, right. It's going to be weird. I know we haven't talked anything. So we've talked about, like, lager pilsners and IPAs, but we haven't really gone into the territory of, like, you know, mixed ferment wild. Yeah, I mean. I always say that. I say mixed ferment wild. I, I think that's I, a good I description. Lump, I lump them together. Yeah. Um, Hopefully those get better. I think they'll get better, and I think there may be some breweries that abandon the project based on budget. Which they should. Agree. You don't have to do it no, all. Like, you that's really a whole don't. other fucking thing. Like, it's like making, like, it's like painting, it's like being Picasso and then also being, uh, like, a, al- what is that guy called? Concave, Josh? Well, who's the cruise ship artist? Thomas Concave. Like, you could be a cruise ship artist, but you don't also have to be Picasso. Right, right. I I totally agree. I think when breweries try to do too much, it becomes overwhelming, and then you don't make anyone thing good, um, or, like, superb, at least. And, yeah, so I I do think that people should abandon some of those projects. Like, there's not very many breweries that are able to do, like, Russian River. Yes. Yes. That's a good example. Great example. They're able to make really great like you know funky wild stuff mm-hmm. and then also they're yeah. classics yes that's other good brew pub too that has like the standards i have so many memories there <laughs> i can't wait till, like, i've never been there dude how stupid you and i rv trip for sure yeah i mean Yes, one RV trip, but there needs to be a trip where you come to Northern California and we can just do all the stuff there. It feels like I haven't lived. It's, there's ah, so much good. I haven't lived. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it is rare that breweries can do both well and have the time and skill and dedication to give the attention needed to both programs. Yeah, because it's like, it feels like you start with one and then you're like, I'll dabble in that. And you, it doesn't feel like you do it because you like it. Mm-hmm. You're doing it because you yeah. have to. Yeah, no, I hate it. Because that. you're like, the business tells you you should. Right. I don't, I mean, I don't know. Right. Like, or is that? No, I think you're right. I think also though, if we're talking about an overall trend, I foresee Mer- Merxed, mixed firm. <laughs> um, Marxist breweries. <laughs> Sweet. <Please. laughs> 
<laughs> um, uh, if there's such a big movement to can sales and historically mixed firm wild ales are bottled because of secondary fermentation. Not to say you can't do that in a can. You can. It's just more. You tested. can. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. I know like Crooked Stave has done that. Can condition. Um, yeah, it, it's totally doable in can. But I think that because there's just uh, like more experience, more reliability with a thickness of glass versus a can that if you're doing that mixed firm, it should be going in glass and with the trend moving to cans. I mean, doesn't it feel safer in a, uh, if, it, if you canned it properly? Yeah. It, like, yeah, because exploding aluminum seems a little less scary than exploding For glass. sure, for sure. Although I guess a sharden of aluminum in your eyes, just about as much damage as glass would do. Yikes. I don't know why that's like, when I think of God. a bottle exploding, I think of it going in my eye. I want to open a Saison that is so dangerous that I have to wear safety goggles when I open it. Yes. I'm here Les for that. Les saisons dangerous. Yes. It's still something we need to. It's a dream. Me, really? It's a, it's a, it's a project. Yes. It's um, something that when the time is right. Yes. We just buy the most dangerous saisons <laughs> and line them up <laughs> with protective <laughs> gear on PPE. <laughs> And then just open them and see which one is the scariest. Yeah. Do we shake them first or we just... Maybe. They're just room temperature saisons. Yeah. Who knows? Anything could happen. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll have the goggles on. We'll have the brewer's gloves on. All of it. The whole nine yards. It's going to be riveting. Yeah. Oh, I have one other thing. Okay. We're probably going to taste some smoke in some stuff. You think so? Like fruit that's maybe been tainted. Interesting. Right? Because okay. Of, sure. I mean, this is, he's trying to get closer to the fire somehow. Nico, you've got oh. to chill, dude. Oh, boy. Poor little buddy. Uh, you know, because there's smoke, I mean, like in grapes and in fruit. Sure. I, I do think that is. And I it, and either people, uh, brewers will, uh, or, you know, not just breweries, but maybe like just winemakers, like they'll either accept it. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, I wonder, it's, I feel like that. A uh, hypothetical trend would that decision making would probably come for the producers whether they're going to sell that fruit or not. Yeah, um, yeah, or like if you have no other option. Like maybe you've sure. already said that your people are going to buy it and they, mm -hmm. they they people purchase it and they do what they what they want with it. And I wouldn't necessarily be opposed. I've never had like smoke tainted wine before, so I don't know really how it affects flavor. I feel like it could be. It depends on the grape and sure. like how much how, how it's processed. Yeah. But it could be interesting. I feel like that might be something that comes up more and more and more and more as these wild fires keep happening as climate change. Right. I mean, we had a really intense year all along the West Coast between Eastern Washington, Oregon, and California. I mean, and those are huge produce, produce producing regions. I mean, California makes some of the most produce of the entire country and it's on fire. Like, what are we going to do about that? It's just, well, we could have done a lot. There's so much we could have done. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if people are like, oh, yeah, the vintage 2020. It right. literally smelled like fire. Interesting. Which is not wrong. Right. Metaphorically, physically. It could literally be a selling point. Uh, oh, you want to try 2020? Right. Open this vintage of 2020 fucking Merlot. Merlot? <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I don't know. Is there... I always... 
It's the first one that comes to my head because of the movie. Uh, sideways? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so stupid. I'm such a basic bitch. I know. That movie is incredible. <laughs> um, all right. I think th- those are our thoughts. Uh, wrap up of 2020, predictions for 2021. Like, I, I think the concept of this is we'll come back to this episode at the end of 2021 see how right we were see how wrong we were and then be able to analyze again okay. what happened is there is there gonna be some weird thing that you think might take off maybe i just really foresee 2021 in terms in like the business side people really just buckling down skeleton back crew. to their roots yes i mean for lack of skeleton, just doing their like yes and that might be a good thing in a way where you're kind of cutting the fat of these bullshit beers of like the fad beers of the diet beers, all that shit. Maybe all that gets trimmed and then we get to really just get back to solid, solid beer. Maybe that's my prediction of 2021. Um, but I don't really foresee anything crazy trend happening. Cause I don't think there's enough money in the industry for them to be spending on new ingredients that they don't already have. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, it, and even if there is some wild, thing that happens Mm -hmm. i just it will be like okay cool right exactly i I, I can't think of anything because you also have to remember that there's a ton of people in this country who don't have a lot of money to spend on a quick trend of beer of like a 20 dollar four pack you know like that's not sustainable for consumers at the moment nah i mean it it just needs maybe we'll get to back to a trend where you have less expensive beer but that's not that's not really crap. We only talk about, we're really only talking right, about crap beer. Right. So it's like. Yeah, we'll see. Um, will AB InBev purchase anything else? Oh, uh, you know they will. You know. They haven't. They haven't in a minute. They haven't, but there's going to be so many struggling breweries that need that money. <sighs> that know they won't be able to sustain on their own. They're going to come in and gobble some shit up. Do you think there's any PNW breweries? That- I wouldn't be surprised. There's a couple that I've always thought, when are they going to sell out? Yeah. There's two in my mind. Me and too. One's in Fremont and one's in Ballard. Yep. And I think we know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> if I could turn back time, if I could find a way, I'd take back all those words that hurt you and you would stay. That's pretty good. You do her voice pretty well. If I could reach the stars, <laughs> I'd give them all to you. Oh man! All right. Well, I think I think that's it. Um, we did it. We did it. You know, onwards. Um, good energy, good thoughts for the oncoming time, and I think there's going to be some exciting stuff for Seattle Beer School coming up this year. Oh yeah. Also, if anyone's listening and has any. Um, ideas for mm. Seattle Beer School of like events or cl- we always say classes but like just things that yeah. we should do or folks that we should um celebrate yeah talk or, to or do an event with yeah let us know hit us up uh at Seattle Beer School on Instagram um you can always email us to either shauna at seattlebeerschool.com or jess at seattlebeerschool.com Shauna has a new Instagram handle. <laughs> so if you're looking for Shauna Bruce, it doesn't exist anymore. Nah, I had to shed that skin yeah. of 2020. And um, I'm embracing a young Billy Crystal. That's at young Billy Crystal. 
Because that's what I look like. Yeah. And then uh, you can follow me at Just Just Beer. And Finn, where can we find you on social media? Finn, hmm? can you say something? Where, where can we contact you if we have any questions? Swallow your water first. That was a Titan Cast episode.